Welcome back to Trot's Life here on the 9th of January 2024. Tim O'Connor joined by Bronte Neuenberg. One down, one hour down, Bronte. We've got another hour to go and really looking forward to this chat because even though I work with him, I don't know a heap about him. I've seen the name before he started at HRV back in May uh, of last year as the club's manager. I didn't know a lot about Greg Gangle. I'd seen the name around. Um, I'd heard the voice. Uh, and now he stepped up as HRV's new head of racing and keen to learn a little bit more about him. And he's joining us on the line. Greg, great to have you on, mate. And um, where do we find you today? You'd be in the office at Epsom Road, wouldn't you? That's exactly where I'm at, Tim and Bronte. Uh, you know, really, uh, really privileged to be speaking with both of you this afternoon. And yeah, I'm at headquarters today, so uh, lots going on. We've got the Shepparton Cup on Saturday, and that, that seems to be our main focus uh, at the moment. Yeah, great to have you on. I'll be in the office uh, shortly, Greg, and want to have a bit of lunch uh, before we get stuck into anything too serious. First day back from holidays, you know what it's like. It's always a bit of a battle. That's it. That's it. You know, everybody seems to take uh, between Christmas and New Year's off and a little bit into January. So now it's, uh, you know, we're back in full swing, which is great because although some people take leave, uh, racing never stops. Uh, bang on. Um, as I said, I'd seen your name a lot, Greg, um, in, in prior roles. And um, you've been um, CEO at the Wagga Harness Racing Club. And of course, uh, you've done plenty overseas back home uh, in Canada. Take us right back to the start. I guess, I guess when you... You interview anyone, you want to know where their love for harness racing started and whether it was harness racing, whether it was another form of racing that really got you hooked. Yeah, no, but take us right back to the yeah. start, mate. Great, yeah, great question. Um, my father was a hobby trainer, um, owned and operated uh, real estate and insurance company for a number of years and always had a couple of horses uh, to play around with. Um, I grew up on roughly 20 acres, so we had a small, you know, 700 meter track growing up and always a couple, couple race horses and a couple of broodmares. And, um, the breeding side actually caught my eye before the racing side. Um, you know, as a teenager, uh, we were off to the races quite often, but I wasn't really keen on the racing part. It wasn't until, um, you know, the Sires and Dams books of, uh, of breeding came out, and that's what really uh, caught my interest. And then, you know, further along in my teenage years, uh, you know, I got the racing bug. Um, you know, I, I, went to do, I went to school and then went to university and um, University of Arizona for the racetrack management program. And, um Actually, while I was there, um, I was kind of recruited out of there by the name of Harold Howe, who ran a harness racing magazine uh, back home in Ontario. And very long story short, um, in, in a matter of a couple of weeks, um, I actually dropped out of university and went to work for him because it just opened up so many doors. And I was roughly 20 years old at that time. And I knew I was going to be going to you know all the feature carnivals, the major carnivals in North America, the Little Brown Jug, the Hamiltonian, the Breeders' Crown, everything like that, and um, plus all the yearling sales. So I was um, exposed to you know the best parts of all of racing in North America at a very young age, um, and that to me was a was a pinnacle point in my in my overall career. So I spent about three years with him uh, and that harness racing magazine company, and then from there. Uh, I went to work for the Woodbine Entertainment Group, which is, um, you know, it's the largest racetrack in the world, uh, you know, 225 race meetings annually. And I started off in the uh, media communications department, and then I did some TV for uh, for the better part of my time there. So um, altogether, I was there about eight years, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed because it, it's, it's the pinnacle of harness racing. It's the Tapport Melton um, of, uh, or Melton Entertainment Center of, of harness racing down here. So Spent a lot of time there and, um, and obviously, you know, with the contacts and, and um, just, you know, diversifying that skill set. 
So from there, Tim, I went to um, it's the Western Fair Association, uh, Western Fair Raceway, where I became the racing manager there for, uh, I started off as the assistant, and then I went into the manager role there. So I spent four years there uh, managing that track with 125 race meetings and overseeing the, the racing product, everything from wagering, um, you know, uh, customer engagement, um, form, everything like that. And um, spent time there and, and, you know, again, continuing to diversify that skill set. And um, But what really brought me to Australia is my wife, Anna, um, is originally from Victoria. And we have two young kids at the time. They're still, they're still young now. And an opportunity came up um, where we, um, you know, we could take on the water role. And um, we're young enough, and it was kind of an hour-never type of situation. So, um, you know, we took the plunge, and, and it, it's been great. Um, it was it was single-handedly the toughest decision, um, you know, in, in my lifetime. You know, you're packing up, um, you're packing your bags, and you're moving to the other side of the world during COVID and spent two weeks in quarantine in Sydney and had to go through all the bells and whistles um, uh, to get here. Um, but, you know, looking back now, it was the greatest thing we ever did, and it's just a privilege to be where I'm at here today. Yeah, well, that's, that's, it's, a, it's a hell of a background, Greg. And what, what I what I love seeing in, in people that take up new roles at, at Harness Racing Victoria, but any industry for that matter, is that they first and foremost have a love for the core product, and that's racing. Um, and that's not a knock on anyone in any other role that, that maybe doesn't or, or whatever. But uh, if you come into a new job, you know, instantly on already loving that product that we put out, and that's harness racing. I reckon that's a great place to start, and there's no doubt you love the game. Yeah, yeah, you're you're spot on, Tim. If you were to throw me somebody like me in the gallop, so I'll be honest, I, I would be half lost. But harness racing, you know, I I, I speak the language. Um, I I absolutely love it. Uh, and when I'm not in the office, I'm I'm watching uh, either Trot's Vision or, or Sky Racing during the night. So um, yeah, I I, I can talk. 24/7, and even talk about the North American product. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning a little bit more as we go on about the European product as well. I know a fair bit about it, but still, you know, you still want to keep yourself up to speed with on the knowledge base. But um, you know, really being accustomed to how the racing is uh, is conducted down under over the last couple of years. And I guess the, the the one thing that I'm probably most proud about is you know is I've just done so many different things during my career um all in racing you know from you know being a tv presenter to the marketing communications aspect to running clubs and now here I am head of racing so um just having that skill set where I can you know lend a hand in so many different areas is is you know it's a privilege for me to be able to to have that and I wouldn't have it without you know the people I've met along the road so um even my time at Wagga was a, was a great stepping stone to where I am today and I still have great relationships with the clubs and, and the committee there and even past presidents. So, um, but yeah, back to your original question, Tim, um, you know, I, I absolutely eat and breathe harness racing in all aspects. So it's pretty easy to get out of bed every day. Yeah, too right. I think there's a few, uh, at least two people in this studio that can echo the same thing. I'll throw to Bronte in a tick for a couple of questions as well, uh, Greg, but d- just sort of setting up um, the role, of course, you started at Harness Racing Victoria in May as the club's manager now you're the new head of racing. Um, I reckon that, that, you know, six, whatever it is, six, seven, eight months as clubs manager, probably a really good grounding for this new role because I know you got out to a lot of clubs, met a lot of people and um, really familiarised yourself with, you know, Harness Racing Victoria. And I think you've even been able to successfully pronounce Maryborough now too. That's it. That, that was the trickiest <laughs> one. I, I'm not, not going to try it right now in no, case I... 
in case I get it wrong, and I, I'll never hear the end of it on uh, on live radio. But um, yeah, to, to your point, it, it was all about those relationships. So I, you know, I went out to uh, the majority of the clubs, and you know, just met the club managers. I wanted to see the facilities. I wanted to see the venue, and and uh, you know, look at their infrastructure and and what they have to offer. So. Um, you know, j- just getting around and, and getting my feet wet um, here in Victoria, and, and you know, we're largely a regional sport, which is which is highly important for for our product. So, I'm really happy about that. And then, um, you know, in the interim, I was thrown in, into you know a little bit of the racing team, which uh, which was a nice fit uh, prior to uh, Stephen Bell's departure. Which, um, you know, I think that kind of laid the groundwork for where I'm currently at, and just just to kind of offer uh, you know just discussions about racing and our product overall. So. Um, but yeah, you know what, it, it, it's been absolutely great. And, you know, the past six months have been, have been fantastic. And I can't wait to see what the next six months brings because, um, you know, we're getting closer to the end of that financial year. And, uh, you know, we'll be talking about the, the racing calendar, the feature race list and, and, you know, unfolding, um, you know, good things to come. Greg, it was very interesting hearing you talk about how you fell in love with racing because it's not often I hear someone have a very similar interest or very similar start to me because I remember when I was about 10, I started uh, stealing the stud books and the yearling sales catalogues from dad's desk and I would study them like just as a 10-year-old and when I was after school and it wasn't until I was probably 18, 19 that I actually started working hands-on with the horses and spending a lot of time and having interest with those horses. So let's go back to our roots right now. And I just want to know, who do you think right now is the most exciting up-and-coming stallion? Ooh, that's a very good question. Um, Up-and-coming stallion. So a stallion that has not hit yet. Um, There's a stallion in North America that I'm very keen on on the pacing side. His name's Poppy Rob Hanover. Um, He went toe-to-toe with Tall Dark Stranger. Um, and actually he broke his coffin bone in the elimination of the Adios when he won in 47 and three and his first crop are going to hit the track in, um, it would be, I would say June of, of this year. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, obviously, you know, Confederate is going to come fresh off the racetrack. Um, he's going to stand at diamond Creek, uh, for a service fee of 20,000 more than likely will be coming down here to, to a stud farm. And on the trotting side, Bronte, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Um, you know, with my Canadian roots, uh, there's a new trotting stallion there by the name of Green Manalishi. And a lot of people down here probably are not aware of him. He's the son of Muscle Hill. And he raced against uh, the likes of Green Shoe and Jim Panzi, and he's a very nice horse. So I'll lean on him on the trotting side. But uh, Poppy Rob Hanover in the U.S. is probably a horse that I'm going to peg as, as a, a really I – would, I would give him rap for uh, on, on the next up-and-coming – pacing sire okay i'm gonna hope that all of those three you mentioned end up in australia next season let's hope fingers crossed um so you have traveled a lot you've seen a lot of good horses this is like a two-pronged question who's the best horse you've ever seen race uh, racing and who's the best horse racing at this time so one that could be retired now and then one that isn't retired yeah so the first part of the question is very easy. Um, when I was about 21 years old, um, again, working for the Harness Edge um, and Harold Howe, the magazine company, was 2008. And that was the three-year-old year of Some Beach Somewhere and Muscle Hill. And, I mean, anybody that remembers that year in North America, you know, the, the hair on the back of your neck will stand up because it was a year like no other. Uh, particularly with some beach somewhere because he was located not far from me in Canada 
I, we followed that horse around pretty much every day of the week. And we, we knew everything about the horse, you know, from the time he had breakfast in the morning to, to tea at night. So um, he is without a doubt that the superstar horse, the greatest horse that I've ever seen in person and still just gives me absolute chills down the back of uh, back of my neck, you know, watching his replays and just what he did on the track and off the track, because um, just the camaraderie and the fan base that he grew with, within harness racing in North America during that time was, was second to none. Uh, the two part question is, you know, one of the better horses, if not the best horse that I've seen here recently. Um, I was at the inner dominion Bronte. You were there as well watching leap to fame. Um, I, I, you know, I, I said last year, even six months ago, that you know he's an absolute superstar. I know he's been beat. Every good horse gets beat. Um, that's never going to change. Um, but I, that horse, in my opinion, he, he's a superstar. Uh, what he did during the Inner Dominion, I thought was flawless. Um, can't wait to see him down here for the Hunter Cup. Certainly hopes that he comes, and uh, I hope that he races for the next couple of years because um, he's just the, he's the pinnacle boy of the sport at the moment. And I hope that continues because um, it's not just what he does on the track. It's what they do off the track and, and having that fan base and that engagement within the industry. And, and that's so important. And if there's one horse that is doing it, that can continue to do it, it, it is Leap to Fame. Greg, uh, good little segue here. We've had a text come in. Uh, can you ask Greg if he could breed the winner of any race worldwide, what would it be and why does he choose the Leighton Breeders' Plate? I don't know who that's from, but someone that obviously knows you. Yeah, yeah I, the, I, I'm a dollar ten. It's Grant Coelli. Um, <laughs> yeah, if, if I could breed, can you repeat the question, Tim? Uh, some, if you could breed the winner of any race worldwide, what would it be, and why do you choose the Leighton Breeders Plate? Yeah, the Leighton. The, well, it, it, it's a pinnacle. It's a pinnacle race, right? <laughs> and um, so, why wouldn't one, you? Of course, by, yeah. That, that that's it that that's it that is the number one um you know key race in in, in the riverina uh, it's a race that um everybody has a marked on their calendars and, and i got to give the leeton uh club credit because they also had wonderful community engagement um they did the dash on dash there and i understand that the, the crowd and the turnout was was spectacular so and and that's what the industry is about it, horse racing is one thing but putting bums on seats and having that community engagement and trying to in, intertwine just our general audience and um, mix them with, with our product is key. And, and Leighton has done that, and they'll continue to do that because I know they've got a great committee there, um, well located in the Riverina. And, um, yeah, it, it's a club with a lot of history, and, and the best days are ahead of them for sure. So um, that, that should hopefully help Grant's question, uh, assuming that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well answered. Um, Greg, back to, uh, back to this role at HRV, the, the head of racing. It's a, it's a very important role. It shouldn't be undersold. Um, you know, of course, you're excited about where your career is heading and, and taking on this new role and all the opportunities that it offers to you. But it, it's a very important role, particularly in the current day and age. Um, look, go as deep as you want on this or, or as shallow as you like, however you want to answer it. But I guess there'd be a lot of racing people tuned in now that, um, you know, want to see a bright future for harness racing in Victoria. So, you know, in the next six months, 12 months, have you got any real top-end goals that you want to achieve or, or what sort of lens are you putting on this new role in your first year in 2024, mate? Yeah, I, there's, there's a couple of, of, you know, key initiatives. Um, you know, we're talking about the racing calendar and, and what that is going to look like in the next financial year. Um, as our CEO, Matt Isaacs, has stated in the past uh, publicly that, you know, we'll be guided by government of what we can do, uh, what levers we can pull, um, and, and we'll play within what we're, 
within that capacity, and, and I'll be guided by our board and, and Matt on that, to, um, you know, align with government. But there are some things that we certainly can control, and we want to have a, a strong focus on field size. Um, as everybody knows, that's a, that's a pinnacle point in our wagering turnover. So um, that is something that our in-house team are, are currently working on. We want to come up with, uh, you know, various models within our racing team that can maximize field size, which then in tune increases wagering turnover and increase the return to participants within uh, within prize money. So we're going to focus in on that. But, um, you know, the number one question that I always get asked is, is the word programming. Um, and I, to, to be perfectly honest, it, it was something that was very hard, very rarely discussed in North America. Um, because it, um, it, it it just worked. And, and I think it was a cultural thing um, and there's plenty of opportunity. So I want to, we're challenging our racing team and we're gonna to continue to do so in regards to creative programming. And that is gonna be a pinnacle point of what I think that we can create over the next, you know, three to six months in a quick turnaround to implement maybe some new, some new products into our programming and what that looks like, because we want to maximize young horses coming through the system. We want to maximize the racing opportunities for our older horses and even going as far as looking at our future race list, um, Tim and Bronte, you know, um, you know, we want to maximize our carnivals, you know, the, the Redwood carnival, is it, is it correctly positioned in our racing calendar? Is the breeder's crown correctly positioned? What else can we do to support those types of carnivals? So, um, everything, to be honest, is something that we're taking a very close look at, and we're going to continue to do so because the number one goal that we have is to maximize racing opportunities for our participants, um, maximize their horses, have them properly, um, you know, fitted for a race in terms of where they fit on in, in programming and maximize the returns to our trainers and our owners, um, which then leads to the breeders. So um, it, it, it comes full circle. So. Um, I've, I've always been a very transparent person, um, but these are just some key key objects that I'm certainly identifying, and we're going to challenge our racing team, and and um, you know we we want to create change for the better, and that's something that um, you know Matt Isaacs and the board that we've discussed here recently. Um, we want to maximize the return for participants. It, it, it's plain and simple. It starts with programming. It looks at our future race list. It looks at our field size. It looks at everything within our racing products. So we need to ensure that we're doing our job for the industry. Yeah, well, so I'm not sure if that's deep or shallow, but that's, that's kind of just off the cuff. That's about bang on, I reckon. Uh, no, really, really good to um, hear you talk about that and you know maximizing returns for participants. There'd be a lot of uh, owners, trainers, and drivers nodding uh, or at least smiling listening to you today, I reckon, Greg. So great to get to know you uh, <clears throat> a bit myself, but also bring um, a bit of a profile to you if you didn't already have it to... Uh, racing here in Victoria. Of course, you're the new head of racing at Harness Race Victoria. And, um, yeah, looking forward to what's ahead for everybody here in Harness Racing in Victoria. I've really enjoyed the chat. Hopefully you have too, Greg. And I didn't know you were such a polished media professional before you came on. So this is just uh, <laughs> child's play for you, this sort of stuff. Yeah, I've done, done plenty of radio and TV and um, back in my early days, uh, Tim and Bronte. But, no, listen, it, it was great to chat because, um, you know, so, sometimes it's it, – it, um, you know, just as efficient doing doing things over radio, talking to mass media than just individuals um, at, at tracks. So, yeah, anybody tuning in, um, you know, feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to have a chat and look at new ideas because, um, you know, innovation is key within our racing product and uh, innovation is key with anything in life, really. So, um, you know, it's, it's we got to do our job and, and we have a, a duty to our industry and, and we're going to continue to fulfill that. So thank you for having me on the show. Good, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Greg.
Thanks, Marcy. Thanks, Tim. Greg Gangle there, the new HRV head of racing, a good man. And I reckon uh, that was a great chat. I think there are a lot of people that don't know Greg or didn't know a lot about him. Really interesting history. It's a, it's, um, I think it's great that someone with that background that he's got, and I'm, I'm reading a media statement here, or media release that we put up at the trots.com.au when Greg took the role uh, in December last year, and it spoke about his diverse background. Um, yeah, he's, he's seen and done a lot, Bronte, and I reckon he'll bring some great attributes to the new role at HRV. Yeah, I've already learnt so much from him. Greg and I get along quite well. Our offices are kind of diagonal to each other, and him and I both are the t- two of the people that often are go into the office on these Christmas and these long breaks and we'll we spend a bit of time together during Inter Dominion too in Queensland and he's incredibly inspiring and uh, he's one of those people that just knows so much about the sport he loves the sport he's always wanting to learn more and that that can be quite contagious and it's a great quality to have and we're so lucky to have him as part of our team yeah for sure I agree and um I think I mentioned it before, but just just loving the sport as your as where you come as your very starting point before taking a job, uh, it's so important in my opinion. Hey, let's take a break. Uh, we're going to get to the news shortly as well. We've got Darren Carroll on the other side as well as Maddie Craven to talk about fighties. I'm going to have a quick glass of water, and we'll be back very very shortly. <laughs> 